Hello and welcome to a more perfect podcast. In this episode, I'll be interviewing a survivor of Mao's cultural revolution. In case you don't know, the cultural revolution was a socio-political movement launched in 1966 under Mao to purge China of bourgeois capitalist influences. In the cultural revolution, Children were recruited as Red Guards to destroy all that stood against Mao Zedong and the Chinese Communist Party. Millions of people would die, and countless livelihoods would be destroyed by the time the Cultural Revolution tapered off in 1976 with the death of Mao Zedong. Joining me today from Loudoun County, Virginia, is Xi Van Fleet. Xi grew up in Mao's China and spent her entire school years in Mao's cultural revolution. After she completed high school, she was forced by the Chinese Communist Party to go to the countryside and work in the fields for three years to be re-educated by the peasants like all the other urban high school graduates. She was able to go to college after Deng Xiaoping seized power, and in 1986, she came to America as a student to pursue her graduate studies. She's been working in the field of information management for the past 30 years, and as a private citizen, she really wasn't involved politically. However, compelled by her personal experience during the Chinese Cultural Revolution and the realization that what she has experienced is taking place here in America, she's committed herself to warn the American people and help them clearly see what is really happening here in the United States. If you enjoy this interview, I encourage you to purchase a subscription to Surfshark VPN to support the show. Surfshark VPN is a virtual private network that secures your sensitive information online. Surfshark VPN keeps you safe from prying eyes that might seek to steal your sensitive usernames and passwords to your accounts. Without Surfshark VPN, you're browsing the internet unprotected and you're missing out on all the cool features Surfshark offers, such as accessing Netflix libraries in other countries. With the link in my podcast description, you can get 82% off and two free months of Surfshark VPN. Once again, 82% off and two free months of Surfshark VPN could be yours with the link in the podcast description. Without further ado, joining me all the way from Loudoun County, Virginia, a survivor of Mao's cultural revolution, Xi Van Fleet. So Xi, how old were you when uh, the cultural revolution was going on in China? I was turning seven. I think it's the beginning of my second grade. And I did have a normal first grade. And I don't even remember what I learned. Um, it's normal. I guess that's why I don't remember. <laughs> So, my first memory of the uh, cultural revolution, I think I was uh, by then probably seven. Um, the cultural revolution started in May, and my birthday in late April. So, just turned seven. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, if you could, um, you you obviously you survived the cultural revolution. You came to the United States. Now we're going through the ringer here in the United States. Um, we are, we're going through raging leftist mobs on our college campuses. We're, we're going through an upheaval that we've quite frankly have not seen since 
the cultural revolution in China uh, here here in the United States. So, if you could compare the current American upheaval um, to the Chinese Revolution, uh, is there is there any similarities you see? Any any differences? Yeah, absolutely. The similarities are alarming and terrifying. Um, and it's not just me. Anyone who experienced Cultural Revolution, the Chinese Americans, see it absolutely without any doubt that what's going on here is a repeat of the Chinese Cultural Revolution. And uh, there, uh, there are many things, and I can just uh, kind of summarize. I call it 3D. The first is division. The division, and in China, uh, the Mao divided the Chinese population in basically simply two classes, black class and red class. And the black class are those who were deemed as oppressors, those who used to own land or properties. They were later on deemed as not in line with the, uh, the CCP. And they were part of the uh, black class which is the enemy of the state. And then red class, you can just imagine, that's all the allies or base of the Chinese communist revolution. So it's a division. In the very beginning, it was division in the economic sense. But later, it was a division in terms of um, ideological, not that anyone is really against um, the communist regime, but anyone who was not quite in line will all end up in the black class. So the, the yes, whole society is polarized and it's divided. And that's what's going on here. Instead of using class, the American uh, left, they use the most potent weapon to divide America, it's race. And that's an obvious choice because of the uh, unique history of this country. But they never stopped in, in the race. You can see they use class as well, like uh, Bernie Sanders never give up his 1% uh, versus 99% narrative. And now they go further, gender, sexuality, uh, ableism, uh, which is uh, disabled people or able-bodied people. It just goes on and the vaccine status, and they were never stopped. Exactly, yeah, they, they, use, um, they use this, this intersecting um, axis of, of oppressed... Oppressor, yeah. Well, basically, oppressed, oppressed identities, yeah, it's called uh, intersectionality is, 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 their, is their whole framework. Yes, so that's division. You've got to divide the people in order to launch a revolution. So I see the similarities. And uh, what's different? I'll see, this is something like, I tweeted out um, a tweet lately, and this is something I've been reading a lot myself. And I say, well, there's one thing that's, uh, that's a major difference, is um, in China, sex, gender, sexuality, were not part of the Cultural Revolution. And then, I realized, and I learned by reading a lot of other uh, books and articles, the American brand of cultural revolution is a marriage of uh, cultural Marxism and a Floyd psychology or psychological 
uh, ideology. That is the difference. Other than that, everything is so similar. So division. Second is deconstruction. And what's going on today in America is every traditional values and social norms were questioned and were criticized. And uh, just like in China, same thing. All Chinese traditional values and um, um, belief systems all denounced. And then the other thing is uh, the other thing is destruction. The um, purpose to deconstruct all the um, traditional values and uh, and social norms is for the purpose to destroy them. And why they want to do that? Because they want to replace the old uh, value with new value, which is cultural Marxism. Yes, indeed. Um, touching back on what you said about Freud and uh, cultural Marxism, very funny that you say that. One of the great influences on me is uh, the work of Dr. James Lindsay over at NewDiscourses.com. Yes. He taught me um, about, you know, through his podcasts and, you know, I, I've, I've also met him in person. He always talks about this, I think I think it was a book called Eros and Civilization. I'm not sure the author, I think it was Herbert Marcuse, but I'm not sure. But basically, it wedded um, exactly what you're saying. It, it wedded Freud and... Marxism, and it tried to mix them together into this toxic cesspool that 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 we're going through today. So yes, so uh, G, you are you are spot on with um with that analysis. Yeah, and uh, Floyd ideology did not make it to the Chinese popular culture until after the eighties, the late eighties, maybe late eighties, and the beginning of the nineties when China opened it up. So. It's a little too late for Mao's culture revolution. But other than that, everything is absolutely not only similar, I think it's the same. Wow. And, you know, things like, uh, you know, like um, chaos. We have uh, BMM, we have college students, the social justice warriors, we have Antifa in China, we have Red Guards. Red Guards, I see, yeah. It, yeah, the mob, the mobs, they were the ones. They're all middle school students, high school students, college students. But they're all so indoctrinated. So Mao unleashed this group of uh, youngsters and backed them up so they could do anything without consequences. They abolished the police and the crimin uh, criminal justice system. And just like here, the uh, BMM and Antifa, they're trying to do the same thing. They're trying to get rid of the police. Why? So that they could do whatever created the chaos and without consequences. We already see it in 2020. And what we saw in 2020 is uh, the American Red Guards on our streets, on our campuses. And uh, actually 2020 was the turning point for me. I've been seeing all these signs that remind me of the Cultural Revolution, but it was 2020 when this is not just 
similarity. It is the Cultural Revolution. And that is the moment I said, I got do something. I can't uh, remain silent. And uh, as one of those uh, Chinese, typical Chinese, we're usually quiet. We usually don't get involved politically. And but I said, now I have to do something. And so I joined the uh, local Loudoun County Republican Committee. And later I joined the Loudoun County Republican Women's Club. And that's where I got the email, uh, which urges us to go to the school board. And, uh, and so that's what I did. And uh, so this is to me, is we are really experiencing our culture evolution. And I, you know, in the beginning, you said something about, we haven't seen this before in America. Actually, we have. I was not here. I was involved in the uh, cultural revolution in China. At the same time, there was a cultural revolution taking place in America. Same time, mid 1960s to mid or late 1970s. Same thing. But that was the counterculture um, movement. Ah, oh, yes, 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 yes. It's coming back to me now, yeah. They, it's the same thing. Yes. And that is something people need to know. This is phase two of the same cultural revolution that started in the 60s. Interesting. That's, that's a very good, very good point. So that was quite the wake-up call to anyone who, who didn't, um, didn't, you know, wasn't aware already. Is, is, is there any other like specific warnings? Like what warnings would you give to those like yourself, like myself, who are fighting for liberty today? Is there, is there any warnings, any advice you'd give? To me, it's uh, like a, how I noticed the difference is uh, actually I was in Florida, in um, Atlantic, uh, Florida Atlantic University. I took a class on special ed, and that was the first time I was introduced to political correctness. And in the class, the professor said, you know, we have to be really kind to the disabled people or people with disability. We should never call them blind. We should call them, I don't even remember, whatever, whatever, um, euphemism. I thought, that was so nice. I said, Americans, ah nicest people in the world. Little did I know later, this keep changing. You can't see this. You can't see this. And, and then eventually you can't see anything. And in my workplace, I start to notice that people that I, you know, that I used to talk a lot, they dare not to express their opinion in public. And, uh, and I even got very quiet. I can't say things that uh, what I really feel or what I believe, and then the whole place is basically overrun by those left. They feel free to say whatever, and what they say is basically, you know, equity. But back then, it is uh, uh, diversity, and um, eventually become uh, it's diversity and inclusion, and and of course, after twenty twenty, it's diversity, equity and uh, inclusion. And what they are talking about diversity is diversity of skin color and equity is equity of result. And inclusion is the inclusion of people who look different, but 
there's no diversity of thoughts and there's no closing of different ideas. So the speech, freedom of speech is eroding to the point. It's basically not non-existent um, in today's world. To me, that's communism. Exactly. Yes. Yes. You know, the, the greatest threat uh, to totalitarian regimes is freedom of speech, exchange of ideas. You know, as soon as as soon as they lose the um, the hegemony on discourses, that's it. That's it. As soon as people start thinking for themselves, as soon as they're not afraid to speak out anymore, that's it. After 2020, it was absolutely uh, what's going on is communism playing out in my face in terms of vocabulary oppressor and oppressed that's what we use daily during the cultural revolution uh, we also use exploit exploiters so and uh, equity <laughs> yes that's what we the, the terms the marxist the pure marxist vocabulary made mainstream and the most people don't even know the origin of those terms. It is just amazing. And this is what I uh, said, that we, after the World War II, the history of Nazism was learned. Everybody knows. And in the History Channel, in the early uh, days of History Channel, people call it the Hitler Channel, because that's all. World War II, what Nazi Germany did, whatever, people know about it. Yes, I learned about the Holocaust in school. My grandfather fought in the Battle of the Bulge. He fought the Nazis himself. So yes, I, I learned all about that. But uh, but we don't know much about communism. No. We don't know. And so many people, um, when I talk to them, never heard Chinese Cultural Revolution. And that is, to me, by design. It's by design. And we talk about Soviet Union help to um, defeat uh, Nazism. True, it's fact. But also the fact is, communism killed way more people than Nazi Germany ever did. And that's not part. It's disgusting, the lack of, of education about the atrocities of communist regimes here. I, I know here in Florida, they just passed a bill, Victims of Communism Remembrance Day. And I think someday in November, they're required to spend 45 minutes talking about the atrocities committed under communist regimes. So it's a start, but that, that needs to go all over the states. I'm, I'm so glad we have Florida. <laughs> and I know a lot of it is because those Cuban Americans, their effort is unbelievable. They are the ones that working so hard to keep the memory alive of the crimes of communism. And we have all this uh, um, history month. We need, those are div divisive months because they separate groups of people from the American people and have this so-called um, Black Month, Black History Month, whatever History Month. What we really need, as you said, is uh, what you call the um, victim. Victims of communism. Yes. Yeah, I totally agree. You know, if, if, if we could have a month dedicated to that, maybe like I think a day is a start. 
for sure. But we, we, we need more, you know, we need to, we need to educate about this more. And, um, you know, I went through K through 12. I got to tell you, I wasn't taught about it at all. Though, like I, I didn't even know about Mao. Mao wasn't mentioned once in high school history class at all. So yeah, it certainly needs to be taught more. Okay. So let's keep moving here. Um, so now that we're talking about schools, I know you talked about uh, the uh, the class you took at at Atlantic University. Could you tell me anything else about about what happened um, in in the schools, the universities in China during the Cultural Revolution? Well, in the um, in China, pretty much soon after the Cultural Revolution started, the school were closed for a year and a half, and the university were also closed. It was total chaos. So. Because of that, actually, we, as a little kid, I was just, you know, seven, and we were afraid to go anywhere. And uh, we don't have to, we didn't have to go far to find things to do or to watch. And it's struggle session everywhere. Every day we're seeing so-and-so got um, targeted as the one to be struggled against. And a lot of times, they will be paraded in truck, big trucks with big sign. They have to wear a big sign and uh, with their name crossed and then the title or label, they either counter-revolutionary, spies, whatever. And, um, and then they have to confess and they have to confess to, it's basically like a public trial. And they have to confess and say, it's right. They were the counter-revolutionary. They were the one that anti-Mao and anti-CCP. If not, if they deny, well, you know, it's worse. It will be, they, a lot of them were beaten. I haven't witnessed uh, beaten and the killing during the uh, uh, struggle session, but that happened in many, many, many places. And uh, so one day, I was there with my friend and we're just like, okay, it's another day, another group of people being struggled against. But when I looked close, when I looked closer, one of them was my friend's father and my friend was next to me. And that really um, brought home to me that the terror that maybe my, one day my father will be struggled against. Fortunately, that did not happen. My father, belong to the black class. His uh, mother owned land. So he was never uh, promoted to any position to be a big shot for the Red Guards to struggle against. I see. I see. So there were struggle sessions everywhere. I know, maybe you know as well, I, I watched uh, this amazing, amazing uh, three-part documentary about about a college. Uh, I mentioned it before on the podcast. Evergreen State University. Yes, it's struggle sessions after struggle sessions. Yes, on camera. I know it was the very first one. Yes, right. It, it was a few years ago, so it's happening today. And also, just lately, it, it um, took place in um, Georgetown Law School. Really? Well, the professor said something about um, the um, nominee for the uh, Supreme Court justice and say something of a lesser black, whatever. He was protest against the class 
uh, was just shouting and chanting and uh, hitting the the uh, uh, the table um, to protest against this professor. Just the professor can't say a thing because it, it's just too noisy for him to be heard. But that and I tweeted out that and that is only the first step. If we don't stop it, we will not just hear chanting. We will see blood because that's what happened in China. Okay, um, that's that's terrifying. <laughs> and uh, also, I can add that I also witnessed the um, the rating of homes, and Mao told everyone, especially the rape guards, go and uh, um, destroy four olds, old tradition, old idea, old custom, and old habits. So anything that's old, that's traditional, anything that's actually foreign should be destroyed. So the Red Guards would go from door to door, raid people's homes, and get whatever old vases, old furniture, and took them out and destroyed them. And I've seen the same, that the whole street was littered with things that had been destroyed. And people crying, and if you resist, you get a good beating, or getting killed and there's no consequence and uh, and we're doing the same thing and they also the red guards went to the temples in china we don't have a lot of public statues so they went to temples and destroy uh buddhist uh statues and they change school names store names and street names sounds familiar and they even changed their personal names just to be politically correct and all this is happening here. Yes, yes. There is a um, statue, uh, Florida State University, that they tore down. They've been renaming the buildings on college campuses. They, back in 2020, they renamed a street, a big street in Washington, D.C. They, um, in the capital of Florida, they painted uh, Black Lives Matter on a, on a whole intersection. So, yes, yes, it's been happening here. Why, you know, if you can't remember, that's okay. But do you remember why Mao instructed them to take down the statues to to like tear apart these things? Why did why did the Red Guards do that? Yeah, because that is uh, okay. The whole slogan of Cultural Revolution is smash the old world and build the new world. And what's old? Old is the traditional. Uh, world, which means traditional value, traditional ethics, traditional morality, traditional uh, art, religion, the foundation of a society that's been built uh, um, for um, and lasted for over 3,000 years. All this has to go because Mao want to replace all this to buy uh, the Marxism and also by replacing the past, by erase the past. And then all they remember is him, the new God, the new, uh, uh, the new God that, that we need to worship, that we need to follow, we need to obey. And that's what's going on. And then that's about power. What's going on here is the same same thing. They want to replace the foundation of America and, and then replace uh, with their new uh, progressive ideologies, which is Marxism and communism. And why? That's how they control people. And it's for the same reason, power. 
I see. I see. You know, it's it's been said that it's been said that diversity means commissars and equity means socialism. I know I've certainly called equity socialism a lot on this podcast. Uh, would you say that? Would you say that equity is their new word for uh, for socialism? Absolutely, communism. So now we have uh, we have uh, DEI officers, and during the Cultural Revolution, especially in uh, cultural uh, or, or or educational institutions, they were taken over by the so-called workers, peasants, and uh, workers, peasants, soldiers propaganda team. They were just like the equity, the equivalent of the equity positions. They were there to decide which one, which policy is uh, uh, not proletarian or communist not, which one is should be deemed as bourgeois. So they are the one to decide what policy to have, just like the DEI, which policy or uh, uh, whatever is not um, it's not up to the standard of whatever uh, arbitrary standards of equity. Same thing. It's a political control of institutions. I see. Yes, it's uh, it seems to be exactly exactly what's happening. Not only will they fire you for for uh, offhand remark, not even it doesn't even have to be an offhand remark. All they have to do is interpret it in a cynical political way. You know, maybe maybe you send an email to a colleague, and they will they will negatively interpret it, bring out the worst possible reading of it, and then call you a racist, call you a sexist, call you some kind of bigot. Bam, you're gone. Why? Because the equity commissar said so. Yeah. Now this is something I really want to comment on. Go for it. Um, microaggression. I went to a training in my company. I think about four or five years ago. Immediately, I. I just saw problems there. And I did ask this, uh, um, we had a professor come in. He's the special, the expert on equity, right? So he's, uh, I said, how, how can you divorce the intention from the impact? I said, the only thing I can control is my intention. And the impact is something I cannot control. He said, well, no, impact is the, um, is what we're focused on. Intention is irrelevant. And that's exactly what happened during the Cultural Revolution. The intention and the total divorce of intention and impact and who determine the impact and even your intention, it's the party. Okay, so here is an example. You can say anything, you can say anything that is remotely political and you can be labeled counter-revolutionary. This is, um, a story from my friends. His father, um, back then, a lot of people living in dorms, even not in school. You, you did live in dorms because because the schools got closed, right? Yeah, but anyway, so in the communal bathroom, a guy just just whatever make a comment. Oh, do you know the toothpaste? The price of toothpaste went up. Someone reported him. He was arrested and jailed. You know why? Because the, the uh, uh, accusation is uh, his intention or the impact of his comment is smear of socialism, of Mao's socialism. So there you go. The party determine the impact, 
the party determine your intention, and then then you can say anything and not be in jail. I see. Okay, so that's that's terrifying. Yeah,、um, I know that. You know, I've I've been called I've been called a racist. I've been called you know all these things.、Um, but you know, you gotta you gotta be willing to take a few hits、um, if you're gonna. We're gonna defend the country. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure people have attacked you、uh, viciously. I, I can't imagine what you've went through.、Um, I just, I just want to say that you know the amount of courage that that you have、um, to speak out. It's, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah.、Um, okay. So two more things. No, number one,、uh, how how can we convince people today? As if all this stuff wasn't enough. Um, how would you say that we can convince people that they're going through a cultural revolution? That it really is happening here? That this isn't just some fringe analysis, but this is really, really happening? Well, there's no shortcut. Education. It takes time to educate people and to help them to see. And I think. I can play an important role because I'm not telling them from something I read in the book. I'm telling them with my lived experience, uh, uh, using the left terminology. <laughs> yes. Yeah, but you you can't argue with my experience, right? Yeah, you'd better not argue with my experience because I lived it and I lived in both. Cultural revolutions, and I'm telling you, it's the same. So the first one is to educate, and、uh, it took the left decades for us to get here. They brainwashed our children, generation after generation. They are patient. Now they see result, and we to do the to、uh, to restore our value and to dewash. Brainwash those people. It takes time too, but the first step is educate and teach people the history and what happened before, in not just in China, in all those communist countries. And、uh, I am、um, in the、um, YouTube uh, of uh, my interview with Hannity. There are thousands, thousands of comment.、Um, I try to read all of them. Especially in the beginning, when the,、uh, when it was posted, there are so many people from former communist countries that who live here, and、uh, like Russia, Yugoslavia,、uh, Yugoslavia, Yugoslavia, yeah, Yugoslavia, Romania,、um, Chile, and、uh, Peru. All those countries that、uh, the people that experience communism say, yeah, 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 right. There's all this happened in my country. So I just really hope more and more people will step up and speak out and educate your American friends, your American coworkers, and、uh, just tell them what's going on here is what you experienced. In your uh, uh, in your country before coming here, exactly. Yes, I totally agree. You know, education is the first step to to doing anything. You gotta know what you're talking about before you talk about it. I agree a hundred percent. But the battles are going on right now. You know, you you told me、um, before we started、uh, recording the interview that 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 you're in Loudon County. 
that you're fighting the school board there. Can, can you talk about some of the things that some of the things that you've seen in uh, Loudoun County, Virginia? I, I think Loudoun is bad, but I think it's not not at all uh, unique. It is uh, common in basically to me is academia. Our academia has fallen. It's in total control of the Marxist professors and it's gone. And they have been training uh, generations of teachers and, uh, and who are the new Marxists. And they, those are the people are teaching our children. And uh, so this is the battle that we have to fight everywhere, not just in school, but everywhere, because those um, Marxists that uh, came out of the uh, uh, indoctrination meal of our higher education are in key positions in all our institutions. So, but education is the key. And I say, I always believe that um, K to 12 is the front line of this battle. We have to save our kids. And because they are after them, they are after the, the kids from K to 12. Did you watch that video of um, preschool in Washington, D.C.? And they have to uh, do a little uh, a parade or the demonstration of uh, Black Lives Matter. And they have to have sign and they walk around. So, I don't know, like four or five years old. They started that early. Wow. Yes. I did not see that. It's amazing. You've seen these things in, in Loudoun County, Virginia as well, yeah? Yes. And I can see it all around me. And it's just the kids were programmed or uh, uh, indoctrinated so that when they talk, it just come out that, uh, you know, American is such a racist country and uh, they just really um, hate America. And especially the children of uh, Chinese immigrants. It's just unbelievable that they come back home and told us that we are privileged because the Chinese uh, Americans, most of them are very successful because of the great system we have it here that allow people to reach the American dreams. And we work hard, we play by the rule. No, the kids think you're, you're privileged because you are upper whatever, middle class. And then they told us that we don't know what oppression is because we, uh, are so privileged. And this is just insane for us who experience the oppression of communism, who experience the poverty under Mao, and we came here, and now our children were brainwashed and told us that we were the oppressors. It is just, just unbelievable. And that's why I think we all should focus on K-12 to win this cultural war, that's what we must win first. I am in total agreement. It's it's very very sad, very sad what these what these children are taught. You know, they're lying straight to your face when they tell you that you haven't experienced oppression. The things that you have gone through, no person should ever, ever have to go through. But unfortunately, it's what we're going through right now. You know, yes. privileged to me. Uh, I mean, I don't know if you'd agree with this, but. My own view is that privileged is just their new name for counter-revolutionary. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah, for white, uh, uh, white privileges for white people, for if anyone, like um, the Asians are called white adjacent. So yeah, we are also counter-revolutionary. Yes, exactly. And also I have to, 
I have to say a few things, uh, just a few words about racist and counter-revolutionary. Okay, those are, those are the, like the magic word. In, in the cultural revolution, if you do anything wrong, or if you did not do anything wrong and someone want to uh, harm you, they can just say counter-revolution. They can interpret anything you say, like a price of uh, uh, toothpaste went up. They can uh, label you counter-revolutionary. Same thing happening. Racist is the equivalent of China's counter-revolutionary. But I have to say, as conservatives, we give the power to this word racist. You know that it's not, they are not talking about race alone. They want to divide people into white and BIPOC, right? Or white or black, you know, whatever. And, and, but they also want to um, label anyone who dare to challenge their narrative and you are racist even even if you are black you can be a white supremacist so it's not just about race it is about division and it's about political ideology so i would say we should take the power away from this term racist and i was in a um, meeting um two nights ago to a group of uh, uh, local uh, conservative group. And I said, if you haven't been called racist, you may not have been in the fight. <laughs> I was called racist. Wow. Yes, we have to come to the point that call me racist, I don't care. When everyone is racist, the term racist lost its power. And we need to do that. Yep, they've, they've totally overused the term it, it has no meaning no no meaning anymore no meaning yes because at, at least at least in this context it, it's got it's got no power it's got no power and, and we have to stop giving it power we as conservatives I, I i believe that we can control the impact that their their insults have upon us Agreed. and uh i think i, th I think that we should definitely do that Okay, so is there um is is there any last last comments last words that that you'd like to say? Um, yeah, I, I really hope people will realize that we are at a cliff. We are not over the cliff yet, but we are at the cliff. So if you still love this country and you want to keep the legacy for your children and uh, we have to get into the fight. And this is a fight of life and the death. For me personally, I'm fighting for my life. I escaped communism and I do not, I do not want to live under communism again. So I'm in the fight. I'm fighting for America. I'm also fighting for myself. Thank you so much for everything you do. You are, your, your courage is, it, it inspires me, and I'm sure it's going to inspire everyone who listens to this podcast. You're, you're amazing, G. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much for the invite. All right. I'll uh, catch you later, all right? Okay. Bye-bye. And that was the end of my interview with G. Van Fleet. I hope you all enjoyed the interview because I certainly enjoyed interviewing her. I also hope that this episode raised awareness of the need to stay vigilant in the defense of liberty. 
Those who defend liberty against its enemies must be constantly vigilant. Vigilant of the changing language from socialism to equity, from counter-revolutionary to racist, and from commissar to DEI officer. We also need to understand and realize that America's present chaos isn't a new thing at all, and that we're indeed going through an American cultural revolution akin to what China went through under Mao. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider purchasing a subscription to Surfshark VPN, the sponsor of the show. Surfshark VPN can protect all your sensitive information against hackers while you browse the web seamlessly with no lag. I use it myself and it's super fast. You can get 82% off of Surfshark with the link in the podcast description and two free months. Once again, 82% off and two free months. So you got nothing to lose. Check out Surfshark to support the show today. Don't forget to rate the podcast five stars on Apple Podcasts to defend the podcast against the leftist mobs that are sure to come for it. Um, They don't exactly like when people speak against the uh, prevailing narratives. Share this podcast with your friends, with your family. It helps it grow, and I would certainly appreciate it. And with that, that's about all the time we have today. As always, have a more perfect day.